0: this morning I want to talk to you about fearing people and trusting God. I believe that many of us live in fear of people way more than we even realize. Right. We're just uneasy. We're trying to please people. We're uncomfortable. There's anxieties that we don't even recognize ourselves. Uh, controlling and affecting our heart and stealing our joy. Uh, one great hindrance to experience, experiencing the love of God and intimacy with God is fear, and especially the fear of people. Proverbs 29:25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. In other words, fearing people is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous trap. It will keep you from doing what God wants you to do. It will keep you from enjoying God's presence. Trusting in the Lord allows our hearts to feel safe and unafraid and near to God, no matter how fierce the battle is raging around us. Now, we all feel afraid at times, But fear that becomes entrenched in our hearts becomes bigger than God and pushes God and His promises out of our thoughts. When love for our own life, our own security, our comfort, the welfare of our children, our possessions, or our reputation becomes uppermost to us, Then our fear of losing those things rules how we live. And almost without knowing it, our fears have taken the place of God in our hearts. And so the real issue is will our fears or will the Lord captivate our attention, our thoughts, and our emotions? I think a lot of us want to get rid of fear. Because we know that fear is, is kind of a bad feeling. It disrupts our peace of mind and heart. And that's important to get rid of it for that reason. But it's far more important to get rid of fear because it is an enemy of faith in God. And it actually is an opponent to God. It's an opposing God that can rule in our hearts instead of the Lord. There's a lot in the psalms that help us overcome our fears. And the key verses that help me deal with my fears are found in Psalm 34 and in Psalm 56. These two psalms are closely related, and I will get to that later. But I view the promises, the truths in these two psalms I view them as life-saving promises. They are like keys to the prison doors of fear. Let me share just a couple of them with you. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. In this short statement, there is more revelation about how to be delivered from fear than in a hundred books on overcoming fear. Trusting in God is the antidote to all fear. David testifies to the complete effectiveness of trust in God as the cure for fear in Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fears. We trust, he delivers. When we trust in God, he delivers from all our fears. A heart free from fear is a supreme blessing of those who trust in God. Psalm 34 and 56 were both written when David was fleeing from Saul. Saul viewed David as a threat to his throne and he told his son Jonathan to send some guys, go take some guys and go kill David. So David fled and he first went to Ahimelech, the priest, to get some food and to ask for a sword. Ahimelech gave him some bread and he gave him Goliath's sword. Then David fled or went to the king of Gath. And the king of Gath, this was the king of the Philistines. He went there to hide from Saul. Gath was a Philistine city. And you may remember that Goliath, the giant Goliath, was from Gath. Well, in Gath, David was safe from Saul, but it says the Philistines took him prisoner or made him prisoner and before long some of the king's servants recognized david and warned the king of gath this man is david future king of israel he is the one they sing about saul has slain his thousands but david has killed his ten thousands well when david realized that his cover was blown when they realized that they knew who he was he was, it says in 1 Samuel he was very much afraid of the king of Gath there was no way for David to escape there was no way for him to fight his way out even though he had the sword of Goliath so what did David do? he pretended to be insane well the king of Gath believed him the king of gath fell for this act and he said i don't want a madman around me and so he sent david away so in a way miraculously david escaped death and fled to a cave at adullam psalm 56 is a psalm of david if you if you look at your heading in your bible psalm 56 is a psalm of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Psalm 34, even though is, is actually written after Psalm 56, Psalm 34 is a psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before the king of Gath and was let go. While he was a prisoner in Gath, while he was a prisoner of the Philistines, David said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. When the king of Gath let him, da- let him go, and he, fled, he went from there to the cave of, A- of Adullam, David said, I sought the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fears. So these psalms are closely connected by events in David's life, and they're probably written very close to the same time. So, let's read them. Psalm 56, we'll start with, and then we'll go to Psalm 34. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps. They have waited for my life. For their crimes will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O oh God. You have kept count of my tossings put my tears in your bottle are they not in your book then my enemies will turn back in the day when i call this i know that god is for me in god whose word i praise in the lord whose word i praise in god i trust i shall not be afraid what can man do to me I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. And then Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. At the time that David wrote Psalm 56, he does not seem to have a friend in the world except Jonathan. Saul wants to kill him. The Philistines have have captured him and they'll either keep him prisoner or kill him. And so David begins this psalm turning to God and he says, Oh God, be gracious to me. Man tramples upon me. All day long an, an attacker oppresses me. They are against me. They watch my every step. They want to take my life. Much of our fear in life is rooted in other people, in what other people have done to us or are presently doing to us or might do to us. It's easy to be almost consumed by fears, anxieties, uneasiness, about other people and what they have done or might do to us. We can be mistreated by our parents or a spouse or someone we considered a very close friend. Children can say very cruel things to their parents. A boss may demand too much or may unfairly blame you for something or mistreat you. We can fear even groups of people, nations or Governments or organizations, lawyers can sue, insurance companies can deny a claim, a collection agency can harass, the IRS can audit. Uh, We can fear what the doctor is going to tell us or what the neighbors might think. Uh, We can be afraid to say no to someone. Uh, We can be afraid of not being accepted or liked. We can be afraid of what people think of us for loving and following Jesus. We can fear people in so many ways. Of course, there are people who are obsessed with the idea that everybody is out to get them when that is not the case in reality. But we do have real fears of people and David tells us how he trusts in God or how he turns to God When people trample on him. And first of all, going back to this first comment, David expects God to be good to him. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. He expects to receive graciousness in his situation from God. What a contrast. When I read this psalm, I was just struck at this contrast. God is gracious man tramples i mean that's that's what david felt he felt wow god is good god is so gracious people are trampling upon me god is confident that god will treat him better than other people only god loves you perfectly and completely god is never heartless or vindictive or cruel in dealing with us as his children. Even though he takes us through some painful things, there is a heart of compassion and love through it all. We can always count on God to be gracious to us, and that gives us unshakable security and peace, even when people trample on us. Then David goes on to say, verse 3, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I want you to think about that sentence. When I am afraid. How do you finish that sentence? When I am afraid, how do you finish that sentence? We know how David finished it. He said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. We all experience anxiety, apprehension, uneasy feelings, foreboding thoughts about the future. What you do with those manifestations of fear greatly affects your life. Again, David said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you or I trust in God. And you can make that your own response to fear you can make that how you live you can make that your own statement you can you can say this is how i approach life when i am afraid i put my trust in god in god i trust i shall not be afraid trust is something you do with your mind and with your heart Psalm 25, 1 and 2 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, my God, I trust. You see how there's uh, any equivalency between lifting up your soul to God and in you, my God, I trust. Trust is directing your soul to God. It is looking to God. It is giving God your full attention and you look to God to keep you in his care no matter what. Trust in God has to be absolute or complete trust or it isn't trust. You can't sort of trust God. It just just doesn't work. It's trust I've often said it's kind of like jumping into the arms of the Father. or It's, it's, like, it's like jumping off the high board into the pool. <laughs> you, you can't sort of do it. You, you have to trust God completely and just abandon yourself to His care. It is complete abandonment of your worries and your fears to Him. It is a complete abandonment of your concerns about what people have done to you or are doing to you, to God. So the solution to fear is to trust in God and to trust in what God has said. Very interesting, in Psalm 56, three times David said, I will trust in God whose word I praise. He exalted God's promises over his fears. He exalted God's word over his fears. That is how we deal with our fears. It is the power of God's voice that silences our fears. Several commentators noted that this could be translated, I will boast in what God has said to me. I will boast, I will exalt in what God has said to me. Matthew Poole said this means I will have great respect for the assurances he has given me On which I may rely in times of danger so it's it's really a choice of whether we are going to uh, exalt our fears and lift them up and magnify them or whether we're going to exalt and lift up and magnify God's Word and his assurances and his promises David vowed to trust in God, but he also vowed to not be afraid. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. One of the lies of the devil is that you can do nothing about your fears. If you're you're afraid, you're you're just afraid. The truth of God is that you can repudiate fear and replace it with trust. Amen. And it is a dangerous thing to coddle your fears, to justify your fears, or to just allow them to continue in your heart and grow. Fears do not go away on their own until you choose or vow like David did, until you vow to refuse to let them rule over you. Alexander McLaren, a commentator who I've quoted numerous, numerous times, said, true faith, by a mighty effort of the will, fixes its gaze on the divine helper and there finds it possible to lose its fears. So the solution to your fears is more than wanting to not be afraid. Probably a lot of people w- would say, yeah, I, I don't like being afraid. I don't want to be afraid. But the solution to our fears is much more than simply wanting to not be afraid. Mm-hmm. It is vowing to trust in God right. and to not be afraid. Our fears are relieved by seeing God as big and seeing men as merely human. Verse four, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Or I like the New American Standard, which says, what can mere man do to me? To some, and actually probably to all of us at times, God is more like a, a phantom, and people are so real. But to David, men were mere mortals. In this psalm, he came to the place where he said, these are just flesh, just mere mortals. God is the Almighty One. Amen. People can become so big in our eyes, their opinions seem so important, their power over us seem so complete. But when we lift up our soul to God, when we focus on God, when God is who we see and live for and seek to please, that frees us from a thousand anxieties and fears. So we see, we see God as big and we see men as just, and they're just, just only flesh. just, Merely human. Yet that doesn't mean that we, that we never get hurt or that God is indifferent about our sufferings at the hands of people. And this is why I really love verse 8 in this. It says, you have kept count of my tossings. You know, the ESV is a very literal translation. I, I, don't, I don't always love its readability but because uh, c- to me, I don't know what that means. You've kept count of my tossings but most translations say you've kept track of my my misery or my sorrow and you put your t- my tears in your bottle are they not in your book uh, look at the the, the the detailed loving personal attention God has for you he puts your tears in his bottle he keeps track of your sufferings and your misery. He writes them down in his book and I don't think there's a literal bottle or a literal book but it's communicating this tender, loving, detailed care that God has for you and what you're going through. He keeps track of your pain and sorrows. We may not understand what is happening to us but God sees, he knows, he cares. And he remembers better than you do all the stuff that you've been through. He's got it. He's got your tears in his bottle. He's got your sufferings in his book because it matters to him. It matters to him because you matter to him. And he cares about you through all the the stuff. He cared about David through all this stuff that he was going through. We can trust God with complete abandonment because of the truth that is in verse 9. This I know that God is for me. And I think some of this flowed out of this previous thought that, of just how, how tender God cared for him and how, how God remembered him and, and how much David's sufferings mattered, or how, yeah, mattered to God. And so David said, well, this I know For now I know for sure that God is for me. I remember the first time I read this verse in Psalms. I think I was a freshman in college, but I remember the first time I, I ran across this verse and how deeply it impacted me. I thought, wow. To be able to say this one thing I know for sure that God is for me. And it will deeply impact you when, when you hear that or receive that or take that for yourself as a truth for yourself. You need to become convinced of this in your heart. And I, I know sometimes, you know, we, we have sing, we've sang and have talked so much about how God is for us, not against us, that sometimes I'm afraid it goes in one ear and out the other. But if this really settles in your heart, it changes you forever. When you get up in the morning, you can say, I don't know what's going to happen today, but one thing I know for sure, God is for me today. When people hurt you or do mean things to you or say mean things about you, you can say, wow, that hurts. But this one thing I know for sure, that God is for me. And God's favor overrules what any person, any organization, any government can do to you. And let me assure you, this is not just positive thinking. Jesus Christ himself died to bring you into the Father's favor. Now, in verse 10, David, I don't know if he gets mixed up or what, but he just repeats what he said before. Everything in verse 10 is all stuff he said before. I'm kind of kidding there. But but David just expresses his trust again in verse 10. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? There's nothing new in that verse. He said it all before. But I think it shows the importance of, of repeating uh, the promises of God and just letting them uh, turn over again and again in our heart and our mind. If you want to be free from fear, you don't just passively say, you know, one time, uh, I will trust in God. No, you, you say it again and again. You, you say it strongly and tenaciously You repeat it. You stay with it. That is how you fend off your fears. David ends this psalm, Psalm 56, by saying, I will do, or now I must do what I have vowed. I will offer up to you a sacrifice of thanksgiving. When When David was afraid, he vowed to trust God he also made a vow to praise God. And Psalm 34, I think, is the fulfillment of that vow or one of the ways that David fulfilled that vow to give thanks to God. Some, I think the King James Version, some other translations say that he vowed to, to praise God. And that's certainly what he does in Psalm 34. Verse one of Psalm 34, I will bless... The Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. David Guzik said in his commentary, uh, "David cleverly won his freedom by pretending madness, but he knew that the working of the thing was due to God, not his own cleverness." David had. Little to boast of from a human perspective. He had to humiliate himself like a madman to escape the Philistines. God often lets us look and feel weak or humiliated so that we will boast in him and not in ourselves. Almost reminds you of the time where uh, they had to let Paul, the Apostle Paul down in a basket over the walls of the city of of Damascus. What a, Paul refers to that later It's kind of a, a time of weakness and humbling. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Uh, when, when David escaped from the Philistines, he went to a ca- this cave at Adullam, which we read about in 1 Samuel uh, chapter tw- 21 and 22. 1 Samuel 22 verse 1 says, when he, when he came to the cave at Adullam, his brothers and all his father's house went down, to, went down there to him, and everyone who was in distress or in debt or discontented gathered to him there. I mean, what a group of people. <laughs> people it was a few family members, and then everybody else, they were either in debt or they were in some kind of trouble or distress, or they were discontented. Actually, the ESV says they were. I think bitter in spirit. Uh, what I just read too is I think is it's, I can't remember if it's from the New American Standard, NIV, but uh, you just get this picture of this motley crew. And David Guzik suggests that that David sang Psalm 34. He sang this psalm of thanksgiving and praise in front of or for this desperate, needy, humble group of people. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. David still had plenty to fear. Saul was still trying to kill him, and he actually was going to still be on the run for quite some time after this but he blessed the Lord and he boasted in the Lord and he invited those around him to magnify the Lord with him. You know, we choose either to live in fear or to worship. It really comes down to that. It's either fear or trust, fear or praise, fear or worship. Verse 4, which we read before, which is one of my favorite. Wow, I, I hope you this verse gets into your mind and heart. I can't tell you how many times I, I repeat this verse to myself. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. You know, God got David out of a jam in Gath. And even though he is still in danger... He declares that God has delivered him from all his fears. I, mean, I like that. There's, there's a little bit of faith in, in that statement. But what a precious promise. And I do regard it as a promise. That if, that if you see, those who seek the Lord will be delivered from all their fears. How many fears can you be delivered from? Every single one. You may have one or two big fears that you're aware of or you may have so many fears that you can't count. You may have a lot of fears lurking around your mind and, and thoughts but you don't even know about it. You're, you don't even realize there's just this low-grade anxiety and uneasiness. Seek, if you seek the Lord, He can deliver you from all of your fears. And so I, I strongly exhort and encourage you to, to make this Make this your confession. This is is my statement of faith. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse five, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Another, Another favorite verse of mine. What a difference it makes in our heart and on our face when we look to the Lord instead of looking at our fears I mean it I mean you look at your fears and it does something to your face you look at God and it does something to your face the contemporary English version says keep your eyes on the Lord you will shine like the Sun and never blush with shame so you can keep focused on your fear Or you can look to him and be radiant. David continues his personal testimony in verse 6. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I love David's perspective of himself because isn't that how we we often feel about ourselves? I, I often do. Uh, this this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. Uh, we we are just poor nobodies. We're, we're we're just poor people, but the Lord hears us and saves us out of all our troubles. In other words, God is not into saving just big people or important people. It's It's this poor little person over here that cries out to the Lord and God hears and saves them and delivers them. So no matter how small you feel, trust in the Lord to save you. Do that instead of being afraid. And then this important truth This is kind of piggyback kind of what Josh said last week, but God had really put this on my heart, so I'm gonna I'm gonna duplicate a little bit of what Josh said last Sunday. Verse seven The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him have no lack. Or to, for those who fear him have no lack or to those who fear him there is no lack. All the good that God promises throughout all the scriptures and throughout the, all the incredible blessings that you find in the book of Psalms, all the good that God promises is for those who fear him. God says... If you fear me and have deep respect for me, my angel, the angel of the Lord, will pitch his tent right next to you and will deliver you. And if you fear me, you do not need to be afraid of anything, for I will be with you and deliver you. And David declares this to be true For all people to those who fear the Lord or those who fear the Lord will not lack any good thing basically in a sense David is saying in this psalm that the thing that delivered him from all his fears was the fear of the Lord and if, if we are living in fear, and I want, I want you to just think about this a little bit, not to condemn anyone, but to kind of jar us away from living in fear. If we are living in fear, that should be a wake-up call that we are not revering and fearing God as we ought because revering and fearing God as we ought will deliver us from our other fears. Ed Welch uh, wrote a book, uh, which I have on my Kindle, and I've enjoyed it. The title is When, when, um, When People Are Big and God Is Small. And he said the most radical treatment for the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. God must be bigger to you than people are. You know, I was thinking about fear and what it means to fear the Lord here the last few weeks. Apparently, Josh and I both were. And the one thing I thought that's true, true about fear is, is that when we fear somebody or something, we, we, we give all of our attention to that. In other words, we, we give our attention to someone or something that we fear, And to fear the Lord, at least part of what fearing the Lord is, is to give Him all of our attention. To be absorbed with God and what matters to Him and what pleases Him. To be absorbed with what He says and what He loves and what He hates. That is the fear of the Lord. And God looks on you when you have that kind of reverential fear toward him, and he says, I will camp around that person and I will deliver that person. He says, I will act on behalf of that man or woman. And that promise of security frees us from all our fears. Let's stand and In closing,